The Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sport, science, and more. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Abstract Athlete Podcast. Appreciate everyone out there listening and all of our incredible sponsors and supporters. As always, please check out our website, theabstractathlete.com, for upcoming events and information, and follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Music today was provided by the super-talented Angelica Garcia. Please go check her out. Today we're excited to talk with artist and veteran Joe Olney. Joe is a U.S. Army Sergeant Combat Engineer. He has a BFA from Virginia Commonwealth University. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about his military career and his life as an artist. Be sure to check out his art on Instagram at joe.olney. That's O-L-N-E-Y. Let's get to it. And welcome Joe Olney. special guest today all of them are special but a special guest as usual so uh joe olney um is a veteran an artist straight up awesome dude um i think basically from the beginning let's like why don't you like introduce yourself um maybe a little background like maybe your military background um you know, how you got into the arts, were you always creative? I mean, there's a lot, you know, and then we'll just like start rambling on and, sure, and stuff like sure. that. But maybe, maybe um, start out like what, what your military background is and like maybe if you can integrate or like weave like how the art stuff came about and, and how you got going with that. Sure. Um, well, I guess growing up, I always, <clears throat> always, uh, you know, drew, I was mainly drawing stuff like that. Did classes in high school um but i ended up going to the military because i flunked out of college it's like <laughs> wow okay see that's something i didn't actually know yeah so we have something in common i was very close to doing that as well so <laughs> well, i went admit that on in, like, you know, whatever. yeah yeah i went full uh full uh failing flunking uh, out you know and it was like i got halfway through my second semester of my freshman year and it was the writing was on the wall. It just wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. So I was like, okay, what are my options here? And, uh, my father was in the military. He went to Vietnam and, um, he was the army as well. Yeah, he was army. Um, what was it, your, like, what maybe, yeah, maybe th- what was your specialty? What were your, what was your rank? All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he was infantry. Um, so he was, oh, he, oh wow. So he was infantry, uh, officer. Uh, so into the Citadel and, um, so we always had memorabilia around the house and he always was pretty open about certain things. And he just said, you know, it's always an option if you ever, you know, want to go that route, but he never really put it on me. Right. So it wasn't until I was flunking out of college, <laughs> I go, Oh, well th- yeah, this is that option. So, uh, so yeah. So then did you ever, did you ever like when, what were you taking in college when you were there originally? Oh man. Um, Cause that, that's the thing that is, um, I didn't know I could go to school for art. I know that sounds really ridiculous the first time I was in school. Yeah. I mean, was it something you even considered like that? Not that you didn't know that it was 
an option, but is it something that you thought about? No, I, I honestly, I went to college. I even remember a conversation with my dad saying, I don't know that I'm ready for college. I think I want to work for like a year and then go in. And he's like, no, you, you need to go and just do right. it. And uh, so I was taking, I remember I was taking a health class and just couldn't figure that out. Like, <laughs> like writing down everything that you eat, you know, yeah. doing all that stuff. And then I took a, an English class that was all through computers and I barely knew how to turn a computer on. I mean, there were just certain things that I, I, I just procrastinated everything. And so I just ended up in these classes was just whatever was left. And I was very ill-equipped to, to... So you you kind of were in that situation where you really had no idea what you were doing. I had no idea. So, and that's the, same, that's the same situation. And I think that the sad part is I think that actually is not uncommon. Yeah. I think it actually is fairly common for people to go to school and they just get thrown into stuff. Yeah. And I, I mean, it was brutal to me because I was... I was playing baseball, I was taking architecture classes, which I, I mean, at least it's creative, but I was like, I don't want to be an architect. And that's, that's some tough stuff. And that was just the beginning (laughs) stuff. So, yeah, well, you know, I just, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, so it was, you know, I had sort of a creative bent. I was skateboarding all the time, every day. It's all I ever (laughs) wanted to do. So, um, so then I'm, I'm taking these classes. I'm not motivated as a student. I end up flunking out, and then I go into the military. And once again, I just knew that I wanted to go in the military. I didn't know what exactly um, what exactly that would uh, entail. I right. And I, so I go to the recruiter. That's so, so embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I go to the recruiter, and, and I'm like, hey, I want to go in. He puts you in. And then there's this. You but know, you knew you wanted to go to the Army, right? No, I knew I wanted did, to go to the Army because okay. Marines just sounded like too hardcore. I wasn't right. that into it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Navy, the, Na- the other one was the Navy. I thought Air Force might be, uh, it sounded too easy. In retrospect, I don't think that, you know, just because I've learned enough. Right. Uh, in fact, I think that's probably a pretty good way to go. Um, but we can talk about that later. But anyway... So I was like, and then I talked to the Navy guy and the Navy guy was so full of shit. And he's like, oh man, if you join the Navy, you'll be surfing every day. It'll be so, cause you skateboard and he's like surfing. He's like, and I was like, I know you're lying to me. So I'm like, I like that he, he knew you skateboarded and he's like, yeah, they're stalking you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I was like, all right, well, you're full of shit. And at least the army guy's giving it to me somewhat straight. Right. And so, so I went and, uh, it was in Georgia cause, um, my family moved around a bit. So we were in Georgia at the time and, uh, and then went in. And so you, you decide to go, you get on a bus, you go to this station where you like, you know, swear an oath and all this stuff. And then you take these aptitude tests, your ASVAB and all that. And I had done pretty well, but I wasn't really told that I did very well. So I had no gauge for you know, these scores that they just give you and they have something called a GT score. It's a general task score. And it right. sort of just says it through that score, you're able to get a big list of the jobs that you're qualified to do, but they knew I didn't want know what to do. So then they gave me the short list and the short list is needs of the army. So needs. Yeah. So the okay. army needs, um, certain jobs filled. And so, um, 
I'm going out listening. It's like mechanic, 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 and like all this stuff. And I go, I don't want any of this shit. And then I get down to the bottom of it and it said combat engineer. And I go, oh, is that like designing stuff for combat? And the guy goes, you bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so I sign up. I go, yeah, I'll do that. And so I get to basic training and... I hear all these guys that talk about like, oh man, I can't wait till we start blowing stuff up. I oh go, man. And I go, what? <laughs> oh man. And that's when I realized that what combat engineers actually do is wow. um, put in minefields, take out minefields, deal with explosives, um, you know, these sorts of things that your combat life expectancy. De- de- this is the air quote designing. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. designing exactly. fields the, of that's right the pattern yes. of yeah which is uh which is all by the book anyway there's no designing <laughs> really and uh so you're dealing with anti-tank mines um not really anti-personnel mines because those are kind of phased out but you get trained on those and they have you know these names like bouncing betty where it an explosive that you step on it oh and it ex- flips up and it, then then it explodes well it goes halfway so yeah. like you're your abdomen height and then blows up so it like shreds shreds you cut you in half whatever so it was like holy shit yeah so i thought i was going into one area and then we start you know doing the training and we start dealing with explosives and it's actually quite exciting right to deal with all this stuff and to use shape charges and you know make these giant holes in the ground and and just you know, it just shakes your body, you know, when it goes off. You know, even though you're in a very safe distance away, but um, huge. So then, but that had to be like a culture shock, like at the beginning. The I whole mean, thing's I mean, a culture shock. Right. <laughs> the whole thing. I guess a not shock. from the beginning. The entire story. Yeah, that's right. So because you know, I'm a, um, I was just like a scrawny skateboarding kid, kind of right. sensitive, listening to punk rock and stuff like that, and then you go into. Uh, you know, it's not the hardest job in the military. I think um, infantry probably uh, has that, but it's not easy and it's, you know, it it has... I mean, did your dad, like, just... Did your dad, like, give you any... Make it, make anything... You make anything aware to you, like, about... (laughs) I mean, really, truly, like, by the way, you're stepping into something that is, like, a holy shit stuff, you know? Well... So I mean, was he? He was in Vietnam. So like, he was he in saw Vietnam. The shit, like, but his, yes, yeah. Um, but he doesn't talk about. It. He he's fairly open about okay. certain things, and he got you know medals for being over there and stuff like that, and saw some real stuff. Um, uh, but his his approach was sort of, I think it was a little more hands on, off, you know, and just saying like, okay, because I I remember I sat him down. This is the first time I've ever done it. it eight, I was 18. I go, Dad, I need to talk to you about something. Why don't you have a seat? Oh, <laughs> so man. I go, I flunked out of every class that you paid for, and I'm going to the military. And he just said, okay. And I think from then on, he's like, okay, this kid's, he's just going to figure it out. No, I mean, because I think that that's, that's pretty intense. Like, to, like, for your father, A, you know, to, I'm you've flunked out of school. Flunked I mean that's like all parents like, Oh my God, this is trauma. Like, but then to say you're going to the military now, again, like he 
he said, you know, that was always an option. That's right. Um, but that's still like, oh, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there had to be a little bit of that oh for him, um, you know. Yeah, I. It wasn't, you know. So my point. My parents are divorced, and so we would, you know, see him in the summertime, and and uh, you know, every other uh, holiday and stuff like that. So he, I, I don't know that he was too worried about it. I think what he, I, I think he was kind of. Um, happy that I was choosing something that actually had some direction and, you know, right. required discipline and a challenge and, uh, yeah, because flunking out of school doesn't, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I'm the same, again, I'm saying this as somebody that basically did that and, right. you know, and it's, so what was your, what was your flunking or almost flunking experience? I mean, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Like that was my issues. Like, so I want, I, I want, you know, like you, like you wanted to skateboard. I wanted to play baseball. And so I was playing baseball at Ohio State, but I got redshirted, so I was only practicing. And then I was in these classes that I had literally no interest in, and just nothing. Like I, you know, and I just kept yeah. it spiraled out of control. Yeah, but you were you were able to like I, a lot of the dive of well, no, no, no. I quit. Sc- I quit school for eight years, and okay. then I and then I. It was, I think I mentioned this on another podcast. My mom was the one that actually said, why don't you go back to school for art? And it, like, as I said earlier, it's like, I never, I just hadn't even had that idea that you could go to school for art. I mean, it's, I mean, that sounds stupid, I know but it just mean. doesn't, it didn't, I mean, I have like, I think we've talked about this. Like, do you consider yourself an artist? And obviously I think we both do. Mm. But at the same time, like, I always feel like I'm kind of on the outside a little bit because I do other things. Be, and and I, and I don't think that's bad necessarily, but it is like a weird kind of space mm-hmm. that um, we exist in. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, uh, and it's, you know, I, I hear about um, people that go to art high schools, yep. you know, and then to art college. And it seems... Like they've, that's gotta, that's gotta feel really good. Well, I don't know. I mean, figure it out so early. Like, oh, this is this is actually the way that my brain works. I think for I think if if I had gone to more of an arts school, actually, you know what? I think I think it's it's tough for me to say one way or the other whether um, you know because I enjoy math uh science i think there's something about and i like i hate this for like a being well-rounded yes and because i'm definitely not well-rounded because i suck in school in general like i'm not an academic in the sense that i can't take tests i'm just i'm I'm horrible at that but i think that idea of doing different things and maybe they're creative like you know you going to the army like that's going somewhere else like I like when I quit school I started singing in bands and I was digging ditches like I was building houses and working in a record store and there's something about those things that is to me it's like grounded whereas if you I don't know I, I, I mean I always knew I was creative like I always did like you said you like did stuff as a kid art wise it just never occurred to me that it was a thing yeah you know yeah um to do as a career and and I 
it is a career, obviously, but I think, you know, I mean, and you know, like what we're doing with the abstract athletes, like I think the belief is that everybody is creative. It's just, it's good and healthy to do it every day, but that doesn't mean you have to do it as a career. I just think it's something that most, most and or everybody should do. Right. Um, but I did, like, I never considered going to school. Yeah. It was just, it, it was such a, and it's, I mean, you know, there's lots of hindsights, 2020 scenarios. That's it. And yeah. I don't really like thinking about the past as like, what if scenarios, but it's, I think it's interesting to think about because like, well, okay, what if, uh, if personally I would have gone to play baseball, I could have been drafted to play baseball. What if I had done that? I wouldn't be here mm-hmm. now because like, that just wouldn't happen. Like, what if you would have graduated the first time around? Like, would you be making art, you know, like, and like right. if you didn't go to the army, like, because you did graduate, you know, it's like, there's, and it's not, I don't hold grudges or like think about it in a, in a, a bad or good way or whatever but i do think it's interesting sometimes to like contemplate like what would have happened had i like what would happen if i married the first girl i met yeah yeah, you know like stuff like that it's just like it's strange to think i mean it is (laughs) it can be torturous maybe it maybe it is yeah you sit there you know i and i can't really say because you know going through the military um which which i get I could just talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Say, no, please. Just say that. Um, so for me, eventually, I, you know, it w- it was a very good thing for yeah. me because it it ended up giving me things that I was not finding that I didn't that I needed to find out that I had not. So, right. uh, in terms of you know discipline and sticking it out and doing all this stuff, uh, do you find the discipline thing? plays a part in your artwork um it does does it play i think it does the problem that i'm facing now and i don't mind talking about this now is just that when you have you know certainly you have like shows and stuff like that that um that doesn't either you're working on something and it doesn't land you know that that's tough and so um you know you just have to it's like you got to pick yourself back up and get back in the studio and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah. So I think that that's, you know, as as you put yourself out there more and more doing shows and stuff like that, it's like when it doesn't work out, it's like, man. Yeah, no, I, th- I mean, there there is... Um okay, so I've actually talked about this before in another another podcast, but... Like, do you compare, like, is there a vulnerability in being a soldier? You know, I mean, because, like, again, you know, we think about, I mean, in athletes and and soldiers, like, this kind of tough, you know, like, you're supposed mm-hmm. to, the strength issue, you know, it's like, but art, like, there is, like, a vulnerability of putting yourself out there. That's right. And do you do you think that there is like a vulnerability to being a soldier? Or are you allowed to show that? I mean, like I always assume that you don't, you're not even allowed to show that. Like, I think in sports now there seems to be maybe more of an allowance to talk about like the mental wellness yeah. aspect of stuff. 
But I mean, do you see that? I mean, I know, how long have you been out of the service? So I got out in 2007. So it's been, okay, it's been like, it's been quite a big, t- and yeah. I think there've been a lot of changes in our culture. Yep. Uh, and then the culture in the military, which those two are different. Yep. We like to think that because, um, it's civilians that go into the military that, uh, that it's a civilian type thing, but it's its own thing. Right. Um, so you're allowed. Yeah. I mean, there's no, it's not like you're going to catch a lot of heat. You'll catch a lot of heat for not doing your job. Right. Uh, but I would like, I mean, there's always like horror stories about basic training and, yeah. and how, you know, I mean, I, 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 I've never been in the military, but I, I always compare it to in my head, like two days in football where they just like run you. I mean, and again, I think things have changed. I don't think two days are like, even they used to be when I was in high school and, and those are two practices. Brute, yeah. And, okay. br- and we even had three days, I believe before. And that like the brutalness of that, that kind of practice and just like, you know, like running you ragged. I mean, did they, you know, I've, I've talked to another military, a couple of military, you know, going on those midnight runs where you run in the dark in your, like in just your shorts or whatever, you know, sure, like sure. those, those kind of things where it's really, it's not just a physical test because of the, obviously like the physical stuff of carrying a, you know, however many pound backpack on, but the mental test that like wears you, cause they're, you know, like, I guess in the same way as an athlete, they're trying to beat you down to build you back up. Yeah, yeah. But that, that idea of like, again, going back to vulnerable, like, did you ever like, and we got it completely off topic for what you were talking about, but that idea of like, if you would have told like your sergeant, like, you know, I'm an artist, like, like how would they have taken that? You know, is that, is that weird? Or like, do you think it's, I mean, maybe you can't talk about what it is today because you're not, Right. involved but because again i think you're right i think things have changed but back then would you have felt comfortable saying you know like this is i like to do this yeah, stuff the, you the know? conversation usually go like this oh you're an artist can you make me a tattoo right <laughs> oh you're an artist can you um mm-hmm. take this logo of our company and put mm-hmm. it on these humvees right. you know that sort of thing so right it's um it falls into a different category and you know there are some folks who just they don't understand how, you know, if you say that you create art, how wide that could possibly be. Right. You know, so typically people go to, uh, in my conversation I've had with army buddies and stuff, when I, they'd notice me drawing or something like that. They're like, can you draw me a tattoo? Right. That's right. where it goes. Yeah. 90% of the time. But there's like, there is, because um, you've met Michael Goodrich, and there mm-hmm. is like an art therapy, but it's always post right post like PTSD or, you know, like TBI kind of scenario where it's supposed to become part of the healing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, again, like this idea of what we're trying to say is like, like you, like you were always kind of doing it anyways. Mm -hmm. And like, did you ever find that it was actually beneficial for your mental wellness wellness in, in, unison with how you were like you know what i mean yeah but i think i think one thing is that when you're doing it just to do it you don't really realize that it has some sort of um healing property i mean maybe you do but i never did i just 
felt like doing it. It was something that I did since I was a kid. Right. So it just felt felt good to do, I guess. Right. But I but like many things, I was not aware of the impact of what I ate. Yeah. Uh, how much sleep I got. You know whether I you know, went out drinking all night or just like <laughs> right. stayed home and drew. I could not tell you back then, you know, like what that would, what that would do to me and what that would, how that would affect me from, you know, the day, the next day to a week from then or whatever. So it's, um, I think, it'll, you know, as I've gotten older, I've just been more aware of, you know, how I feel. Hey everyone, don't forget to send us questions to our Ask the Doc segment, info at theabstractathlete.com. And now back to Joe Olney. You know, it's uh, it's it's not seen as like uh, no one's looking down at you. They just think that you've got a, a interesting gift, right? Um, but it's not the kind of thing where they go, "Oh, you should, you should go do that instead of doing all this combat." You know, it's like there's no either it. or. Everyone's got yeah. extracurricular stuff, right? You know, um, and that's you know, but I mean, at the, when you're it's your job it's your job that you that you like doing even when you're off you know what i mean like you're always you're always at the ready right in terms of hey you know we could i need you for this detail or i need you to you know and obviously when you're deployed then you're really were you deployed yeah where were you where so we went to uh, mosul iraq and okay. talafar uh iraq. How, how long were you there so we were there for 11 months wow um and it was basically, it was like from March of 2004 to the end of January 2005. Um, and so, and our mission, you know, went from, you know, something a bit more traditional uh, in terms of combat engineering to uh, working with EOD, uh, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. And so just being their security. So we, our typical kind of thing is that you know we would um get a call say hey there's a suspected ied can you guys go out and check it out so we would go into the city uh as a convoy of vehicles with you know guns on everything and go out there and then uh, we would pull security on the site and then the eod guys would get in those big bomb suits yeah and they would go down and blow up whatever was questionable and clear it out um and then we would ride back and then did you know sometimes there'd be another call so you just turn around just go right back into the city uh other times this is is pretty typical of the 
times then was that um, mortar fire would be. Yeah. So they'd be lobbing these explosives into all the bases. Into the fields? No, into all the oh, bases. Oh, right. So okay. we, there's forward operating bases were these, um, were these bases that we did missions out of when we slept there and everything. And, um, and the insurgency knew that. And they had uh, access to caches of uh, mortars. And uh, so they would just fire rounds throughout the day. And they're not, you know, it's not real precision. A lot of times they'd be uh, shot from the back of a pickup truck so that they could just be mobile and just right. get the hell out of there before you could find them because they had a certain technology that could triangulate as something came into the base where where its suspected origin was. And so you could use that uh, to then somewhat get coordinates to send out a team uh, to go look for these people. By th- that time, they're long gone. Oh, right. Or they would just be small fire teams that would go into a field somewhere. You couldn't really see them in their lob and stuff, and then they get back in their truck and they and they go out. And sometimes they would be caught, but a lot of times they wouldn't. And a lot of times these these motor rounds would just, they wouldn't hit much of anything. And sometimes right. they would, and they would hurt people and that sort of thing. But, uh, and and because they're old rounds, they they weren't armed or they just didn't go off. So they got a, a, a round unexploded ordnance. And so you went and did... So we would go as a team and go, you know, blow that up with EOD um on the base and then we and then you get back in your vehicle and you go back to your base right uh if it wasn't at your base so so yeah i mean it and it just it becomes so commonplace to be mortared right you know on your and see that's the stuff that nobody knows about like that the constantness of Mm. being like you just said of being mortared where it's like and you you can tell you can tell when you hear it if it's like, is it close? No, it's not that close. Or it hit on the other side of the base, you know, that sort of thing. So, or, you know, what size of explosive it would be. Because some of them are pretty small, so the kill radius is, right. you know, maybe five meters or something like that. So you really have to be close to some of these things to to be hurt really badly with them. And they were... So anyway, so... And I, I assume, I mean, like when you go out to... Would you? It's called EOD, which stands for explosive ordnance disposal. Okay, so when you go out and do that, I assume when you leave the base, you're taking fire. No, 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 no. 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 I mean, not usually. When you okay. go out in the base, so our typical mission is we would get a call, we'd load up the vehicles, uh, and we would be their security, so front and rear, so they're somewhere in the middle of the convoy, and we're right, and they're going out. Um, and we pull up to this site, and it's like there are people walking around um, farther away. You know, you know we, we have to like d- sometimes deal with people and get them like away from this site because they're going to be blowing something up. Sometimes we would roll up, and so there's children Jeez. like everywhere, yeah. you know. And a lot of times they would run to us because you know we'd give them moon pies, right, and right, right. MRE, you know, stuff out of MREs and stuff. But if they if they ran away when you showed up, that was you know, really bad. Right? Because it's it's like someone tipped them off, saying, "Hey, if you see these guys, don't go to them today, because right. there could be um, there could be an issue." So, 
it's it, it would be those kind of missions. Thankfully, I don't know how this happened, but I was just lucky. Right. I never I never got hit by an IED. Uh, almost everyone in my platoon uh, did at some point. Not that they were um, uh, hurt physically. Uh, but still, I mean, those, the, the it, trauma of that to me is is. Well, we had one guy. So we had this this. Uh, this vehicle called the Meerkat, and what it was was it looked like a giant dune buggy that had these panels that came down uh, on either side. So, and these panels were metal detectors. And the idea was was that the front wheels and the back wheels can be blown off, and then the center is protected, like really well protected, so right. it can withstand like huge blasts. And that's what you would drive in, single guy going through and the panels would blow off and the and the wheels could blow off and you just drag this thing onto a yeah you know, what would be equivalent it's of like a, a wrecker tank. right oh yeah but yeah. it's a but it's a wheeled vehicle it's not like a tank right. it's like it's this weird looking thing anyway so we had one guy who had like the record for being blown up the most times in one of these things is that a badge of honor like uh, or is it only you know what I mean? for like, the very short term. And then right. you realize that, you know, that can have being hit that many times and dealing with that, um, that kind of energy passing through right. something, even if you're protected, like it, and it, I mean, it throws you around, it, you know, uh, and I think it can, it can fuck you up, uh, psychologically. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, and. So I don't know that, you know, these things that seem really cool, uh, like that's badges a, of honor. That's what I'm like. I'm curious about that. You know, again, it goes back to the vulnerability question and, and how we perceive, you know, because military are humans, too. Right. Like that's, you know, like I think sometimes people forget that. <laughs> I mean, I'm really, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because I can't imagine that happening to me. And like, so why should I expect somebody else to like have that, right? I that see. feeling of, of this is a badge of honor. Like, you know, and I think sometimes that goes back to like movies where we, we, you know, you see something like this macho person and like, Oh, you know, part of that. Yeah. I'm taking the, the blasts all the time. And right. then, you know, and it's, it's just a still, dude. No, and it's something, you know, it's interesting because I was, I was talking to Dr. Sifu on, on the podcast we just did. And, you know, like he works with veterans. And one of the things I found interesting is one of the studies that they're doing. And the question I asked was, like, how far back does this study go? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you think about, what the greatest generation, you know, World War II vets right. and, and, you know, how we think of them and like, and what they saw and what they, but you never hear like real stories of, of kind of the trauma that they deal with or, you know, or the PTSD well, or like. Yes. But at the same time, they still had it. Yes. But they don't talk about it. Either they didn't talk about it or it manifested itself in different ways yep. that now we would recognize. Right. And that's but, what I think is interesting because, again, like I think this, like there's a different understanding yeah. about how to deal with stuff and and an allowance maybe is a better way to say right. it. But the trauma is the same. I think the trauma is yeah. the same. It's just that now there, at least there's a 
there is a sympathetic ear and within there's the an community. Acceptance. And, and yeah. It, yeah. The, the other thing that I think happens now that perhaps didn't as much then, and I, I hope I'm not speaking at a turn, but it's, it's that, um, you know, you, you do feel like in our society, we feel it, there's a sense that it's, that you're lonelier than, yeah. especially coming back because you're coming back to a civilian population that couldn't find where you're fighting on the map. Right. And they don't know the difference between Iraq and Afghanistan. Right. And that sort of thing. So, um, and I, you know, I don't, you know, I, I think that may be somewhat by design. I mean, I don't want to get too much into yeah, the conspiracy yeah, yeah. stuff, but it is sort of this thing. It's like everyone, like, <laughs> there's a lot of people that don't know, you know, like, when that started, why that, you know, Iraq, like right. when and why and where. Right. It's very weird. But I mean, did you, you found it really difficult to come back? Yeah. Yeah. And then there are just certain challenges that you have. Uh, so, you know, I drove overseas and anytime you saw fresh asphalt, right, like uh, fixing a patch or something like that, well, they don't have like VDOT. Or the right, equivalent right, right, right. of the Department of Transportation <laughs> going through and just fixing their roads. Right. So if you saw fresh asphalt somewhere, it means that there's something buried in there. It was done last night, right. and it may be waiting for you. So so you really like you avoid that. You, you just you see it, and you can you can call it out. You drive wide around it, which you know may or may not protect I you mean, from I, it. Right, that might be just part of the that's ploy. What, that's it. That's it. So you get really. So as a driver, I came here, you know, came back to Richmond and have you seen our roads? Yeah. It's a patchwork. <laughs> and I was freaking out just driving on 64, just being like, God damn it. Another right. patch. There's like 80 of them within a mile. And so there's stuff like that. that people don't know. Like, right. They don't know that that's like, that's your, that's a thing. That's that your day for like five years is coping with just driving, which in our society, we drive everywhere that, right. you know, it's, it's stuff like that. Um, and that's like to everybody here, it's just a nuisance. Like to you, it's actually, right. It's like, you feel like, Oh, that could be, right. that could be it. Well, and, I, and and again, like not to bring up something that we've talked about in private, but that idea of, you know, we did an event with the squirrels and you don't like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like We can talk about that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, I don't want to cross, I mean, not cross lines because I, you know, but I don't want to make it uncomfortable for you or whatever. But I, th I mean, I think you're like a very giving person. So, yeah, but I, th I don't I th mind talking about it. Um, but I think that, like that. that that's something that I, you know, like once you mention it to me, is like, you know, I need to be aware of that. Right. Um, and you what know, you're talking about, just anyone listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is uh, at Squirrels Games. And this is any any like event, like big sporting event, possibly. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, they light off fireworks, and uh, I can't speak for all veterans, but I could say that a lot of us have a real problem with specifically these for what you did. Like that, that's right. For and and really, I mean, there's so many support people that are not combat arms going into uh, the cities, you know, armed to the teeth and that sort of thing. Uh, they just transport fuel or they just transport whatever. Yep. And they're on these bases. So they're getting mortared just as much as anyone else. Right. 
And so, so it's a lot of veterans that have a problem with booming, large, exploding things uh, going on. So at the end of um, any squirrels game, it's like, so I used to live in the north side. And I think it was, I think they have games on Tuesday or whatever. And it would just be this thing. And they have like, they have like a few pops, you know, that you can hear. And then they have like at the end, there's like really big ones. I guess it's their finality or whatever. Right. And it just like, it shakes you and it hits that nerve just like how it used to. And uh, so anyway, so. So it's an issue. So we did a pop-up show and it got to the end of the show because it was the end of the game. And it was like that. The, it was almost like a rush to get out. The fireworks started yeah. going off and I was like, Ron, I got to go. Yeah. No. And, and again, like that was something that, you know, I need to be really aware of that. And, and it's again, it's the irony to me is like the fireworks are set off in celebration of yeah, the heroes. Yeah. But of, of like the, the freedom like that, that, that military yes. provide us. Yes. And the so irony. it's like, I mean, it is like, it's, it's really strange. <laughs> it's really there. It's that, like, well, it's not for, for these. Now I, don't, I can't speak to anyone else, uh, but I will say that I know many veterans that would, that like don't that like Fourth of July. Right. Hate it. Yeah. Fourth of July uh, is really tough. New Year's um, in certain areas where there, people are firing off their pistols and stuff Richmond. like that in the air. <laughs> yes, which you know people go, oh, that you know that doesn't that may not happen here. It happens, and it is. Oh, it just makes. You, I mean, so it's like I remember, like pacing my house with my shotgun at midnight, freaking out. You know, and it's just, it's just you get into this thing that you can't, you just have to ride it out. Right. And uh, so anyway, so I don't live in the north side now. I don't really hear, you know, those those fireworks. You can hear them just barely uh, from here now. I live at the fan. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those little challenges. And it's I, I've gotten through quite a few of the things that, you know, used to bug me a lot. Part of it was, uh, for me, drinking. It, it just it just exacerbates it, you right? Know? So I had to stop, you know, doing that um, like regular exercise, meditation, stuff like this. Really helps mindfulness of any. Yeah. I mean, does, do you do you think that creativity is part of that like ritual? I do. Yeah. I do. Um, and I think you know my time at VCU was really crucial for. How long? How long? Did it take you to go back to school? And did you know immediately mm. when you were done out of the military that like, okay, I, really, I really want to go back and, and focus on being an artist. Right. Well, okay. So I'll, I'll take you briefly through like yeah. the whole thing. I think I kind of know, but like for yeah, the listeners, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. it's like, it's so, because I think it, it is interesting to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Actually point A to point C because the B is like the, the you know, the middle part. That's where... right. That's right. Well, so I went, there's 1998, yep. I flunk out. Yep. I go into the military in the fall. Um, I do three years active duty at Fort Hood, Texas. Right. Um, I realized at the end of the three years that I don't want to do active duty, like to retire or whatever. Right. But I still enjoy it. So you know, part of the briefings that you get when you get out of the military, you go, all right, well, there's this other thing you can do is National Guard, and it's, you sign up for six years, and um, 
and you can still go to school. And I wanted to go back to school because I felt really ready. You know, I had the discipline. Um, and I still did not know exactly what I wanted to do, but I figured I'd just get into it and figure it out because you had to take all these core classes. And so it was through J. Sergeant Reynolds. Like I, so I signed up for the Virginia National Guard, moved back up here, started my classes uh, in August of 2001, and then September 11th happened, right? So, so now I'm in school. So you were at J Sarge when in that two, okay? Yeah, so when I lit. I literally, I I just went to grad school, and I was decided between Hunter, which is in New York, mm-hmm. uh, Claremont in California, or here. So I always think about like I would have moved to New York like two weeks, three weeks before nine eleven, which would have just been right. Like, yeah. So I'm, it's interesting that you were you know like j- just started back school then. Just started well. back school. No. And then it was like, um, okay, so, you know, you, you do keep some gear when you're, when you're uh, you know, I had like all my uniforms and stuff like that. And I, so I had bags packed every day because I was just like, okay, September 11th happened. You're going back. So now we're going, doing something. But I had dri- done my first drill with the National Guard. That's how, you know, new into the system I was. And right. so I'm calling them all the time. I'm like, okay, what are we doing? What are we doing? They're right. just like you know, you can just hang tight because we don't know, we don't know yet. And so, so that, you know, so I was like, okay, so I just went through my schooling and then I transferred to William and Mary to study geology because I took some geology classes and, uh, from a professor Waltz and he was a great guy and he was, and he just, he just kind of laid it out. It was very visual learning geology is very visual and very hands-on and you also get to go like out and see really cool shit out in the you know like (laughs) so you can camp out and you do all this stuff and it's so it's it's were you always interested in geology or did it just okay i mean like you know like um from being in at fort hood you know you see some cool stuff and then that's what i was wondering if it was actually based yeah yeah military experience it's all in the periphery because you know you're doing this stuff and you're driving uh, through Iraq, like seeing all that. Well, that's way. later. Oh, oh okay. that's later. Okay. But yes. But so I'd already decided to study geology. Yeah. I transferred to William and Mary. And then after my first semester, we get orders. At the end of my first semester, we get orders to go right. overseas. So I was like, okay. So then we deploy. And, uh, you know, first you go to Kuwait. And it's just like. Just right. sand everywhere yeah. and very peaceful. There's nothing going on right. there, really. And then, um, and then we go into Iraq, and we touch down in Iraq, and it's like green grass. And I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck? Isn't it supposed to be a desert and all this stuff?" Well, it's northern right. Iraq, you know. Right. And and, um, and it was, it was beautiful there. Um, you know, like that we went up to did missions up in a place called Mount Sinjar. It's the highest mountain in Iraq it's about a mile up and going up there are all these step farms and you know so it's the Yazidis which you may have yeah, heard yeah. about yeah. uh with ISIS and all that stuff that were uh just horrible atrocities yep. committed on those few people but they were the kindest people to us they were um and they were great and so we had a retrans site which is basically you know radios can work you know, line of sight. And so they had a big site and they had a shrine 
up on top of this mountain where this little base was. And so we got to see, you know, kind of like they would do, they would bring a chicken and they would do, you know, sacrifice a chicken. And right. it's an interesting religion. Um, and, uh, and anyway, so, you know, but it was beautiful. It was much cooler, you know, a mile up. Yep. And there's just all this, uh, you know, like quartz and sandstone and everything. And, you know, you see fine fossils up it's there just, and everything. It's just completely unexpected for you to. Yes. Yeah. And you sort of pull out of your day to day. You're in a city. You're being you know, like uh, mortared or you're going on these missions and it's just, it's a different climate. It's a different view, obviously, and gorgeous, you know, agriculture all around and stuff. So that's a special place. That's a place that will always, you know, be in my mind. It's just so cool being up there. And um, so there were, there were a few places that we were at where it was just like, man, this is, this is something else. This is amazing. You can't believe what's happening beyond the visuals. Yeah, right. and it's yeah. really unfortunate to to be deployed somewhere. I mean, unfortunate is an understatement. To you, I mean, we don't experience Iraq. Right. You experience an occupied Iraq. Right. So it's not. It's not what it you're really is. not. Yeah, you aren't there experiencing their culture. You've imposed yep. yourself onto this system that. It, that was allowed to break and yep. yeah so anyway so you know you come you come back from overseas and you slowly piece this stuff together because while you're there you're just you're just doing your job yeah just stay alive try to keep your buddies alive do it right get home yep that's it and so you know it, and the, one of my first art pieces was uh sort of a platoon banner with a breakdown of like who was in what squad and that sort of thing that my leadership was very keen on and wanted it, you know, kind of displayed out front of our, uh, like where we were living, our living quarters and stuff like that. And, uh, Oh, you did it while you were, yeah. Well, oh, wow. I mean, okay. they were just like, yeah, we do it. So, so there's, you know, in the national guard I found was a bit more, uh, of a looser organization, in that they allowed for creativity and all sorts of things right. like the way you did missions. There are certain things that are done by the book right. in the army. And, you know, it's sometimes you're in a situation where it's actually better to do it a completely different way. But try telling to somebody who's like right. done, like, you know, been in the military for it decades or whatever telling them no i know the manual says this but <laughs> but i'm kind of feeling it like this man this. well the national guard you could there were i mean i remember my leadership just doing stuff very differently right with very good results right and did I mean, that like did that kind of trip you out the first time that happened yes, i mean i had to, i was gonna say that has to be like Wait a minute, what? Yeah. There were certain freedoms that were in the National Guard that we had. Right. I remember we went to the field the first time, and the guy goes, one of our leaders goes, all right, we're, we're going to go grab some beer. Who wants something? <laughs> I go, yeah, that'd be great if we could have some beer. That'd be so awesome. And he goes, seriously, I got my car right there. I'm like, how the hell do you even have a car out here? And, right. <laughs> and he goes, well, it's just, you know, the road's like just over there, so I'll just go grab some beers and then we'll... Now, I don't know that you're exactly supposed to do this, but 
everyone turned a blind eye to it. Right. And even at, when we were at... I mean, is that a coping mechanism? I mean, like... Oh, what? Drinking and stuff yeah. like that? I mean, no, 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 no. This is like... So that was... To just explain, that was yeah. stateside training. Oh, 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 okay. okay. That was not uh, drinking overseas or anything like that. That's That was here. That was here. Okay. That said, Got there's plenty of drinking overseas, you know, whatever. <laughs> but in, but when we're training, so that was my first, like, drill. Uh, you know, in the National Guard, you do one drill a month. One weekend a month, you do drills, and then uh, two weeks in the summertime. And yeah. uh, so... So, I don't know, the National Guard was a much better fit, it turned out, although it did drive me crazy a little bit, because I was used to a very strict, precise, by the book, by the book kind of thing, and then you get to the National Guard, and it's just, it's, they're still disciplined, but they're just, it's a little bit looser, they allow for a little wiggle room, and, uh, so it ended up being a good thing. So anyway, so I come back and now I'm like, I come back from being deployed. So after a year or 11 months. And this is like 2003? This is now 2005. Five. Okay. Yeah. So it's 2005 and I go, I don't know. Right. I don't know that I want to do this geology thing anymore because shit has changed. Right. My priorities have shifted, but I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And funny enough, uh, I ended up uh, taking an art class, a drawing class at William and Mary in the summer. That's just one class to take, and it was awesome. I pulled all nighters doing it. You know what I mean? Like I was just like enthralled with this project, and um, and then just went right back to geology. And, and you did okay. And so I finished out yeah. my geology. Yeah, I remember. Degree. Yeah, I remember you said that you you got a degree in that. Yeah, and then, you know. That department at William Mary is awesome. Yep. Great people. Uh, the programs that they do, like we did a trip out to Hawaii. And so we spent 10 days on the big island camping and looking at the most amazing shit ever. And I was like, I mean, to this day, it's like one of the best <laughs> vacations of my <laughs> life. It was school. It was school. No, no, it was, it was very much an education, but it yeah. was so, you know, that's the thing with geology is that it's not so much theoretical it's like you it's like okay you have this theory go out and prove it like right, now right, you have right. to go to the field or you have to set up experiments or whatever and so you had to be hands-on and also the scale at which you're talking about in terms of not only the size of this event but the time frame in which you're talking about like some, that something happened over millions of years right versus you know something that you could just I, I no, it's, I'm fascinated by that because I, I, you know, I, I've told you I drive out west every summer yeah, and, exactly. and take photos and just like to me that I, you know, the big sky area, you know, driving through the badlands and seeing just like you can see time, yes, like in the in the sides of those walls, yes, of, of, and rock and stuff, and that that to me is just like wow, yeah, like that's it's it's kind of it's mind blowing. It's fascinating. It's aesthetically beautiful to me. Like it, mm-hmm. it's all these things. I mean, I, I guess in some ways I've always been interested in geology because you know I think about archaeology all the time with mm-hmm. my work about like chronologically and like a sedimental, like um, archaeology as well. But it's I, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I understand like 
how like how you think and why you think that or why you studied geology because i think it is a pretty fascinating fascinating and very visual i'm yep. a visual yep. learner so yep. so if i can see it then i can have a much better do you see that do you see like geology probably not all the time but do you see it sometimes it coming into your work like i think sometimes like the th- the ones where that's like a thicker surface like yeah. that plays into it but do you like do you see it more or? Yeah, absolutely. It, and yeah. I, and I'm kind of drawn to, you know, uh, folks who play with time a little bit right. in their work. Like, and I always go to this. Is anyone who knows me thinks, well, I always know I'll bring up one guy's name is Richard Devencore. Right, right, right. Well, hey, <laughs> but, it's not a bad name to But, but bring it's, up. it's that, it's that idea that the past is, is still, you know, showing up and it's, Right. It, and it plays a role. It's not just something that you um, cover up. It's not a mistake, you know, right. that sort of thing. And so, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, uh, and so it is then that's 2000, 2005. You're, yeah, you, so you, then went, I, you took your first art class at William and Mary. And yeah, that's right. Okay. And so then I finish up my degree, uh, eventually because it's like i think it was like we 2000. all eventually finished. yeah yeah i think i think i took my time with it i guess once i came back from overseas i go yeah, i'm not taking 18 credits for you know i'm like i'm gonna take my time i get yep. the gi bill fan of this thing too <laughs> so I'm like i'm like no i'm not yep. rushing this i yep. want to enjoy it you know right. and, and get the most out of it and it was really hard right that school kicked my ass yeah I went from J. Sarge, which is very much like, you know, if you can memorize the things you need to memorize and wrap your head around some stuff, then, then you can, you can, you could, and that's great. That's what I think I the think foundation that's the beauty is. of art school is there's, there's not a memorization per se. It's yeah. about, it's about you and like the engagement part. And so like that, yeah, I mean like maybe geology is the same way. Like there is obviously like history to that and how you study but at the same time like you said it's visual so it's like right you kind of got to get in the field and like that's the thing with art it's like because i think about your work and you know like thinking about archaea or um geology or archaeology or however you want to say it mm. and but i also think about like there's definitely conceptual elements to a lot of your pieces mm. um you know i think about the piece you did with the um uh the uh, the name tags oh the dog tags the, do- yeah, yeah, the dog yeah. tags and and the conceptual element to that and how a viewer th- thinks differently mm-hmm. um, comes to it because it's aesthetically was a beautiful piece nice yeah it was shimmery and shiny right. and right but yeah, there's yeah, yeah. obviously something that's much deeper and that engagement of how somebody stands in front of you know it's kind of like um Myelin's, um the vietnamese the what is it i don't even know the name of it, the the wall up in, in dc oh yes 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 what is that called the vietnam the memorial War, yeah War the memorial, memorial. Yeah. yeah and that idea of like you know seeing the names that are etched in it but also like having the reflective quality of like seeing yourself oh, in it and yeah. like that there, that That's... power of it mm-hmm. um and i think about that in in a way with your that that piece in particular is like the power that's beyond the beauty about how like that relationship and and how to reflect on oneself when looking at it yes so yes well so so to just bring us up to yeah sorry but 
absolutely. I mean, I think that my time at VCU was like really crucial to wrap my head around some things that I did overseas. Right. So, so anyway, so I got done. I became a geologist down and I moved back to Texas because I was like, Austin's so cool. I'll move down there right. now and I'll get a degree uh, in geology. Is. And then I, or uh, excuse me, a job in geology. So I worked for an engineering firm and within three months I figured out that uh, who I'd be working for and with side by side was KBR and Halliburton, <laughs> which if anyone doesn't know, just look them up in their role in Iraq. And so then I was just like, oh, fuck this. I'm yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. I'm out. Right. And so. Well, that'd be a slap in the face. Oh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> like oh, and, so shit. I, go to, I go to my boss. I go, I can't. Right. I can't work here. I can't do this. And he's like, why? What? I go. And I explained. Right. And he and he really didn't get it. Um, he's like, well, we can, you know, we can make sure that you're. In a different area when they're there. Yes. And, I mean, it was stuff like, like this. No, that, no, no. You don't like, get it. I was like, do you understand that? Like their money comes yeah. into a pool and then I'm paid through that. Like yeah. I don't want any part of it. Yeah. Now, I'm not completely naive to think that I'm not somehow uh, affected or connected right to them and go to the gas pump and you may find yourself there it's right. just it's just that it was too close to yep. home and i was too fresh freshly yep. trying to recover from yep. all this shit and um and wasn't doing a very good job of it because i didn't really know how right and so because i was still having like panic panic attacks while driving or crying fits while driving and right. you know all this stuff and I had to like pull over so it ended up being, um, so, I mean, it, was, it ended up being, that was like, okay, I was, now I, was, I had to find another job. And in my off hours, I just started drawing. And that's when it all like, it's like, oh, <laughs> shit, man. I know, right? I know. <laughs> it is like, like the light bulb moment. What, yeah, you're just like, this is the thing. Like, this is, this is actually helping a lot. Don't forget to stop by theabstractathlete.com for upcoming events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and more. And don't forget to check out our creative training journal on our web shop. And now back to Joe Olney. I just can't. I mean, it took me a long time to figure it out, but I, I couldn't. So anyway, so started doing that. Then I, uh, I moved to Jacksonville after that because uh, Austin wasn't really working out and I had family in Jacksonville. So moved there um, to help out my mom and my stepdad. It was, it was very much a, a mutual uh, beneficial thing. Uh, my stepdad was having a hip surgery. And my mom needed some help, and I was just struggling out there. So I was just like, okay, this works. Right. And that's when I went back to school 
uh, undergrad um, at FSCJ, which is a community college. So Florida State College of Jacksonville. And I think it's called something different now. Actually, I think it's like a, it might be, a, or you know, it was FCCJ, I think, at the time. But anyway, and met some amazing people out there. They had a great art department and uh, took classes there and then transferred up in 2010 to VCU and started that that whole process. That yeah, but I knew by that time that the thing that I wanted to really do was to wrap my head around or to get out some of these things that I could not say or talk about to anyone with the Iraq stuff. And that's where the dog pack yeah. piece came from eventually. Um, but like trying to draw. And see, that that's what I think the beauty of it too, because there's obviously people that you were with that had very similar experiences. Mm. But if they did an artwork, it would be completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, that idea of like what their experience and how it comes out. You know, I think about like, not like Mike Fay, for instance, yeah. who we both know, and he, you know, he does the reportage drawings. So like his experience is going to be maybe more literal, you know, they're beautiful, um, beautiful drawings. Yeah. Um, but then how your experience would be like, and maybe it's, you know, it, it, that's what that's I think true. is the beauty of how, an artwork comes about how it's manifests, how like the personal experience mm -hmm. um, overrides like, like a shared experience or something. Absolutely. Um, well, each, you know, this is what you learn is that each person's deployment is right. different, even though they're right next to another guy. Right. Because I mean, it's just the nature of it is that, you know, how, you know, when you, you while you're there with this group everyone's af being affected of it by it differently because right. of um a, a huge host of things sometimes just the dumb luck or the bad luck of being on certain missions and not being on others and so for me i was never hit by an i none of my convoys that i was on was ever hit by an id and then it's that it's given rare, given is what you're saying is yeah. very rare yeah. and um but you know that just i was just and i was I, uh, sometimes i was the rear vehicle a lot of times i was the lead vehicle um and uh you know it's typically they'll hit you like in the middle perhaps right. but not always i mean there's no you know it's just however they do it and they could use a cell phone or that you can Right. right over something and and it can be triggered um they have a number of different ways but it was just dumb luck so um each person uh their deployment is quite different from another right and um so anyway yeah my head's kind of swimming right now with all these no <laughs> i mean I, yeah images of yeah. of things that you see I mean, and go I, through and that it, sort of thing is anybody else that you like were deployed with did anybody else go to the arts like do you know of? i've known a couple of guys that you know have gotten into photography that's cool. and that sort of thing but photography uh well i i can't it's so funny i can't really make any blank statements about how that would be used after the fact but it certainly could be right um it just depends on 
you know, what did your they, Did they go back to school, though? Like, I, like, I'm trying to think of anyone that I was deployed with, whether they went to school for art. I think some guys went to graphic design. You know, for me, it was like, oh, I need to learn how to, how to do this thing or learn all the different ways that I can express myself you know, through art, because art, art was my thing. There weren't a whole lot of artists in my platoon. So when you came, sort of you came to VCU in 2010. Okay, I was going to say nine, but it was like, just, yeah, I get lost in I'm times sure. and stuff. <laughs> and like a million yeah. students, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2010. So I had, I had been out for three years, but I had been back from deployment for five. Right. And it really wasn't until then that I that I could express myself in any any way that would be beneficial to me. Right, right, right. And that's and that's, that's a, important. A, that's a thing that yeah. like it's like it's so weird and you, things are so fresh when you get back. Yeah. And you also have a mindset of you're somewhat numb to to your experiences, and it's. As you get back into civilian life and you start seeing that there are a few things that just bug the shit out of you and you have right. no, they come out of left field, you could get, you go into a rage and right. for no good reason. And, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, it's just, yeah. it's just a thing that takes over and, um, and it feels like you don't have control over it and you don't know how you got there. Right. And so. And that's a be like, and, I mean, for lack of a better way to say it, that has to be frustrating as shit. It's really frustrating. I mean, now you like think, that's a lame way to say it, but that I, I mean, that no, it's true. Yeah, because yeah, you can't, you don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. You also, for me, it was, uh, I didn't know that there is a lead up that you can be aware of to where you're getting. I'm like, oh, I'm getting fucked up. Right. Like my head's not in the right place, and this started. An hour ago, right, and now I'm You're close. Cognizant to, of that. Yeah, now right. I'm like really close to the red zone or whatever you'd want to call it. Um, and so now I, and I this comes with time, I think a little bit, but awareness of like what pisses you off and why, right? And is there ways that you can think about that stuff differently? Certainly not in the moment, because if you're already pissed off and you're already you know, you have to like go back when you're calm and go through this whole process. And I think that's one thing that art may allow you to do is when you aren't like getting ready to, I don't know, throw some sort of fit or right. whatever that you're able to go back and be like, yeah, I was fucking like out of my mind right. about this thing. Or for me, it was talking about something so large you know, like, uh, you know, like with the dog tag piece. So yep. the idea was that all those dog tags were, um, so remember old, uh, static, that yep. fuzz, right? Um, was, the kind that we're hearing on our headphones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully it's not on the recording. Right. But that yeah. black and white. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like that. And the idea of the piece, which never got realized and it really kind of bugged me that it didn't was that somehow all those things would be vibrating right you know and making that sh yeah. sound the whole time and then it was somewhat the 
the frame of it was somewhat like an old TV. TV yeah. Right. So that was kind of the idea. And, um, and so I was wrapping my head around, okay, how does it, how do we get to this as a, a place where you can send all these people, which is really like less than 1% of the population. It's millions of people are, yeah, I guess it end up being like, uh, a million, two million, something like that. Right. But that's still not. We have 320 million people in this country. Yep. It's a t- it's a drop in the bucket, but it's like horrible shit. Yep. You know that they experience and that they see and that they end up doing. Sometimes, sometimes they do really good stuff. You can't just say that it's all right. bad. But I had a trouble feeling good about stuff being there because, and you know. It just we consumed. weren't really supposed to. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like if you think about why we went there in the first place and right. know, the intelligence that it was based on and that sort of thing, it it it's like anything good is tainted by Right. Well, why should we there? have Yeah, should we like so the good that was oh you end up helping somebody, well was you being there causing the issue in the first place. And now where we are now. Yes. With, so with different so you come back and you're just frustrated yep. by this some of this big picture stuff, and and that's overwhelming. It's I overwhelming, mean, yeah. it's, you, and you because you can't control you can't control the massive. All you can control is the you. But like even that, yeah, even that. Yeah. When you're a soldier, you just go and do like yep. that's part of that's your job, and your focus becomes the guy next to you, right? And his family. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. okay, I'm. Responsible. The, you want to, I want it's to a do the right thing by this right. core yep. group, yep. and that's where your focus goes. So, and that's that's overwhelming. That's uh, yeah. So, you do the best you can. Yep. You try not to fuck up real bad, and you come home, and then you try to put the pieces back together. Right. But as you see over years and years and years, other guys, even your even my army buddies, yep. get like. Like five, six, seven deployments at one. Jeez. Yeah. And it and it like changed think, so many things about right. how I view the world. I can't imagine after seven. Do you think that there becomes a desensitization to that though? After like if if you do multi, you know what I mean? Like I do. The, I do. And I, I'm just it, it's just more of a curiosity, not a like a statement. Uh, that I I would. Defer to someone else who has has been deployed like that. I can only theorize. And I I know that on a smaller scale within my own military career that there were instances of, you know, like, okay, this first mission that we did was like super scary. And then you go on these other missions and then now you've got, I don't know, 100 missions under your belt. You know, so now you're like, okay, this is not as bad like that first one right, seems right, like right. a piece of cake compared to some of the ones that we've done i think that's the nature of experience but i can't i can't yeah, say yeah. what those impacts are as right. you come home so you could say yes you're desensitized to that stuff but the way that trauma can can manifest itself later and like you got to deal with that shit later yep like, I don't know if by going through multiple iterations of it just kicks the can down the road or 
sets up so many other things to feel shitty about later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe it's helpful. I don't, I, I really don't know. Um, so I would. No, but I think that's being honest. Like again, even just like the, the, what you said about the first one compared to like your hundredth and there's a desensitization to that. Like, and maybe it's not that the first mission mission was more dangerous than the hundredth, mm-hmm. but it's just that idea that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like doing when you do something over and over and over again, like you kind of lose the sense of it. Yeah. Or know? the sensitivity to right. it where you're just like, all right, now I can read the situation a little bit better. And I think that helps. Right. But it still doesn't make weird. it any easier. Well, the pro- the thing that I think that we're talking about now is, you know, me as a veteran making artwork, having come back to the States right. and had time to process. Right. right. While you're there, it could be very helpful. I think they get more experience. But, you know, if you let down the team or something like that, that's that probably would. And this is another heavily. hypothetical, maybe where you're kind of talking about. Like, do you think it would have been beneficial? Not not that you weren't doing artwork over there, because mm. it sounds like you were in some respects, but like to do it on a more ritual based thing, like level. Do you think that would have helped? Do you think that's a good question? Because I, it obviously it's it's you know I think. I, I personally don't like the, the word art therapy mm-hmm. because I kind of think it's redundant because I think art is therapeutic by its nature. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have to make work for therapy. But a lot of people do. And it's completely beneficial. But that idea of a daily creative practice or training, however you want to say it, <clears throat> is I think it's it's beneficial to us as humans. But would it work for a high-level athlete? Would it work for military personnel in in it like during the time as opposed to the after where like the therapy is like with a capital t you know as opposed to like just making art in the course of of your daily training i and then maybe that's something you can't answer necessarily but well you know i've since since becoming uh a bit more aware of the things that get me into the weeds right um i stopped doing certain things that i used to like watching movies that have you know lots of violence and stuff right. like that like it's i used to love that stuff it's really right. a good horror flick you know i just <laughs> right. i just loved it and because i liked you know you get a little rush a little scared you know and yeah. you get kind of hype and whatever um so I think to answer your question, I think it depends on on what kind of artwork you're making, what you're surrounding yourself with, how you're doing it. Um, let's say that you um, were just focusing on one bad aspect right. and making artwork about that. I think that that's where. I don't know that making artwork wholesale or making music wholesale uh, is always beneficial. I think, and this is what I've come to learn just for myself, is that if I stay in a certain zone, and I had this, I probably still have this problem 
it's just less now of getting into a loop, getting into a, like a whirlpool right. where you're stuck in an idea and it's usually negative and it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. If I just make artwork and then I'm seeing it now I'm making it, I'm seeing it, I'm making it, that can, that can be tough. Right. Now, if there's a ritual to where you like get something out and then maybe put it away or express it without eating it again. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think that there's, that's tricky. I mean, overseas we watched a lot of bootleg movies um, and listened to tons of music and all this stuff. I think that sometimes that stuff can be very helpful. Right. And I think sometimes, not that it can necessarily be harmful, maybe it can, but that it it can actually get you into a spot that maybe the purpose you were trying to do is just to calm yourself down yep. from some sort of thing or to give yourself, uh, I don't know, some other outlet that that is helpful because, uh, I don't know. I think that I re- when I got back and I was trying to figure out how to talk about war stuff um, and watching like lots of movies and things like this, just consuming and then looking at how other people uh, approach the subject that it's... I mean, were you, were you able to talk about that stuff with your dad since he was military? I mean, or was it just nobody? Like, cause it was, you were still processing. I think I was still processing. You know, I was able to talk with him a little bit about it, but, um, yeah, I, I, I ended up having to do like therapy, like one-on-one yeah. therapy because, uh, the, like through the VA at the time they had group therapy and, for whatever reason, I was like, I don't know that that's going to be the thing because I really want to talk about specifics. Right. And um, so I came in with a preconceived notion about that, somewhat of a bias against the group. And I think that thing. that's valid, though. Yeah, I mean, it's just it was just what I thought at the time. Right. Do what I think about that now. I don't know, although you know the the so I did cognitive behavioral therapy. And I found that extremely helpful to see when I was getting goofed up and right, what, right, right. what my tr- triggers were and that sort of thing. Right. Um, so, and, you know, I ended up uh, talking to a guy who's now retired named Dr. Uh, Tim Slavin. And he was a Vietnam vet. And, and he was just, his approach was just real calm. And then he would hear me out. And then ask questions, and I had to come up with these answers, and it was very helpful uh, to me. So uh, that combined with, you know, making artwork, which was really important. The time at VCU making that artwork actually got me to see the thing that I was wrestling with. Right. So that was the art. That the art. That's the art component. Was what is this thing? Can I? Because I can't put it into words, right? Can't really say it, but kind of make the visual of it. Can I at least, yeah, get something out and show it to people, and then explain it and have to talk to people? Um, I remember did that Anderson Ranch yep. uh, thing where you go out 
for a week and uh and it's like a scholarship thing so it's all paid for it's awesome and it's stunningly beautiful it's gorgeous i mean <laughs> it's snowmass village colorado yeah, yeah it's up near aspen for those who don't know it's just it's oh it's amazing yep. and they have that amazing community out there and um and some really good food also <laughs> and uh and some and some great instructors that that come out and I had to make pieces about being over Iraq and talk to people about uh, really tough stuff and it was the first time that I was ever ever able to was that easier to do it there because like obviously when you're in school there's kind of like the community mm-hmm. where it's you get to know people a little bit and maybe it makes it a little bit more difficult. To, you know what I mean? The like to problem speak. I had at VCU was that I'd be talking to someone who was 12 when 9-11 happened. Right. And, and so... Different, different experience. Th- yeah, a different life experience. That doesn't say they couldn't understand trauma. They right. obviously can. Um, but this was specific. and Or talking about hurting people. Right. Um, it's just... You're talking to to folks who have never, for the most part, can't speak to all that, but it seemed like in my classes um, there weren't there there was just a lack of understanding, uh, and rightfully so. Yep. There's not a whole lot of people. I mean, if you really look at the numbers, that's a very small percentage who go into the military. A very small percentage, even smaller, who go overseas. Yep. So it's 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 rare to have this specific kind of experience. Obviously, in our in our society today, there's plenty of violence. Um, but I think in the military, it's 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 a daily yep. kind of thing, or it can be, and. Um, and then the situations that you're in is that you're you're not you're not only victim of violence, but you're but you witness. Well, you and yep. you do it. Yep. I mean, you are violent. Yep. As well, it's part of your job. Yeah, I was gonna say, and that's the hard part because it's part of your job. Like it's expected. That's it. Yep. So, so it so that's an that's a very nuanced conversation to have with. Um, with younger uh, folks. Yep. Um, so when I went out there, people that were in my class were older. Right. Um, they had known veterans, you know, and that sort of thing. The language was... was yeah. And in, I, think, I think you're probably right. I did not know these people for more than five days. Right. So... No, no it's not... A, it was more of a question because I do think sometimes when when you're in school or in some setting where, you know, like if if you did therapy with a group, mm-hmm. um, you might, I mean, it just, I guess it depends on the individual, but you might not speak as much because like with Anderson ranch, like you knew you're going to know them for five days. Like maybe you have more of a willingness to just kind of spill your guts. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, I don't, again, I don't think that means for everybody right. in particular, I, but like sometimes I think certain people do, there's a willingness to let things come out. If you know that it's like, this is a quick boom, boom, I'm in and out. And like, that's right. You know, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably true. That's probably true. So, so that was hugely helpful uh, for me. 
and um, getting to do that. And uh, so I came back, and that opened up uh, a whole lot of doors for me in terms of talking about artwork and mm, excuse me, talking about uh, my experiences overseas right. and that sort of thing. Um, because because I had done it, I had already put it into right. words the things that uh, I had seen or done, and. And was that your senior year or junior year? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't... I, the only I, question that stumps you. Yeah, well, the <laughs> problem... I have yeah. such a problem with putting things chronologically I, in order. Right. Um, I think it might have been... It probably was your junior year because you would have probably done... It end of my junior year. You would have you would done it in the summer of your junior year and then your senior year was coming up I after think, that. Yeah, probably. I think so. And then, and then I had the... Um, the the studio what yep. is it called honors studio yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah yeah whatever yeah. the thing is so and that was like that was really awesome too right. to be in that space too and to have that much room yep. like to actually have a studio rather than yep. you know stuff at a you know where I was staying right. Right, you right, know right. it's like a dedicated space that you could spend quite a long time and be around all those people that were you know all these other students that were making amazing stuff right. and pushing themselves you know like that that are really fed off of um and i think you you know like we talked about this a little bit but the idea of like with the difference between like athletes soldiers and artists i think the big difference and the thing that i miss a lot is that when you are i can't speak to an athlete but i, I can make assumptions that are i think are safe to do is that uh as a soldier you're you're part of a group yep. and you're doing stuff. Rarely are you doing stuff just by yourself. Yep. And so when you make artwork, um, then particularly painting, like yeah. it's, it's you and the wall. That's and it. You and the canvas. That's yep. it. And, and while I, I do enjoy it quite a bit. Sometimes I really wish that I was part of a, of a larger group working on, looking yep. on projects that were, um, you know, they're just like, it's like, uh, so I'm doing running now. Oh, cool. And see, you're an athlete. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, well, I'm, I'm, uh, training for an eight K with hey, my wife. Hey. And uh, so it's a start. Yep. Right. And I haven't, I run occasionally a couple miles here and there or whatever. Yep. Uh, but this is the first time like getting into this, thing and really the first time since the military like training with somebody yeah and uh with my wife and it's been awesome it's been really motivating to be out there with somebody else there is there is really something that i think people do miss about team sports and 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 the military like again i i'm gonna say the same thing you did is like i can make the assumptions but that camaraderie of like what it means to like learn from one another kind of the the respect that you get from each other mm -hmm. um and how important that is as a as a life lesson yeah. i guess is the best way to say it i you know I, I do really think about like i always think it's important for kids to play sports doesn't mean you have to be great doesn't mean you're going to be a professional but i think it's that the learning that takes place 
in those spaces yeah and kind of the the team building and and all those buzzwords that you want to like throw out there and i i assume that like you you kind of just said this but like how it takes place in the military and how you, you really do you, you look out for one another you mm-hmm. like you you feed off of one another like you you become a better person because of each other and and it's like it's hard to do that when you're an artist because you are particularly a painter. Like I think in crafts or sculpture, like, and maybe, maybe not in photography anymore because the dark rooms are kind of disappearing or have disappeared. But when you're like in those spaces together, I always tell students like be in the studios, like outside of class, because that's where you learn from each other. It's not just me trying to tell you things like you need, oh, like I see what you're, you're going to learn more from outside each other. Right. Yes, right. Yes, yeah, yes, I mean, yes. outside of class time. Yes. Yes. And, and that learning that takes place when you're together, like it's, it's beyond what teaching is. Yeah. And that's, but that's where you learn. Mm-hmm. And like, again, like team sports and, and, and military, it's like, that's where, you know, like those lifetime friendships and you know it's it's um and and also it's um far more efficient use of time to get more people involved or it can be i guess i guess it can go either way if the if the group dynamics aren't really working well but um you know to accomplish a goal yep to do that on your own yeah you know and i thought about this you know like um and this is before uh, getting married and stuff like that. But the idea. Yes, congratulations, of, Joe just got married oh, yeah. this, over the summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> um, but um, you know, even when I had roommates and stuff like that, I I had this epiphany. I was like, living uh, without roommates, it's awesome because you get right. to have your own space. But it's also really tough to pay all your bills. <laughs> I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah. So I was, you know, starting out yep. and and mm-hmm. uh and trying to pay all the bills with artwork was like, how the fuck yep. is this gonna work? And and, and being so, an artist is not I mean I I don't wanna like but like being an artist, like and what that's what you do, I I guess I, I will say it like this. It's not easy. Like people, you know, it's like the idea of what you were saying earlier is like people want you to design tattoos and it's like, well, that's all well and good and cool. And, but I actually have ideas, and, yeah. you know, and I think about them all the time and it's not, it's not playtime per se. I mean, it is like, we're lucky to do what we get to do, but it's still a serious pursuit mm-hmm. of what we do and it's not easy you know like we've talked about galleries and like how do you get in the galleries and how do you sell your work and it's like right and how do you manage and those no, relationships and right and, all and that it's stuff. it's not there's no rhyme or reason to it because a gallery you show out here could be completely different than another one you show at wherever yeah and you know how you massage those relationships and and how it's it so it's t- take, take like pick a straw like there's no there's no rhyme or reason to how you'd go about doing it right and then there's this other thing that happens where now that we're able to do so many things in terms of promotion and that sort of thing yep. on your own have your own gallery space so to speak and as a website that now your energies go into so many different paths yep. 
that update a website you have to make email people with new images yeah i mean it's and and you like get further and further from the thing that you're supposed to be doing which is being an artist right and so then it was you know it was um i don't know like thinking about a gallery and that they would that's their role right you know the idea is that they would take that stuff on um but then you hear about things about you know, online sales and yep. everything. So you can convince yourself like, oh no, I should be, you know, just doing it myself. It's like, no, that's a whole other job. It's completely <laughs> another job. And it's, and, and I hate that part of the job. Like I, I love talking to people because I think it's, it takes the work somewhere completely different because somebody else's, you know, you know, like thinking about your piece with the dog tags, mm-hmm. like the way that I, I take it in as is different than how you made it. Absolutely. But I think that's like the beauty of being a viewer. But then when you get to talk to the artist, like, or is me when I get to talk to people that buy my work or, mm-hmm. or like, I love that. I just think it's like, it's so fun because then, you know, you can actually sometimes see where they start understanding what you're yes, talking about. Yes, and yes. like, that's just like really a, the coolest moments like right. because then it's like it's validating but if ways. you're but if you're at a if you're you know a gallery selling your work and you never meet this person yep. then i guess you wouldn't have that opportunity no. so it's a double-edged sword yep and i i sure am <laughs> i don't i don't well, don't know. look at me because i have no fucking yeah idea, so. yeah and i think what i've started to think about is you know if if i tried doing like i tried to make a living with artwork you know as things are right now then there's too much pressure on that process and i should just be making it to make it as opposed to some other ulterior motive because um i don't think that's a bad space to be because sometimes you just have to have a job you know um and you're still making work you make work all the time and uh, like to me, I love seeing, because you always seem to have, like you're fearless as an artist, meaning like you, your work just goes. It goes wherever, every goddamn and, way. But, I, but I, I, I appreciate that because I, not that I'm stuck in it, but I like, I have a very specific idea of what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think, well, what if I did, like, what if I started painting the figure like that, it would make no sense in my, so I wouldn't do it. But, right. um, well, but that idea of like kind of jumping off the ledge to do something, even though like I know I add new equations to, to work. Yes, and I yes, think yes. your our, process you know, evolves, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Absolutely. But I'm so envious of someone that could <laughs> stay the course, man. <laughs> so we're envious of each oh other. That's my it. God. <laughs> I'm just like, how the fuck do you? Yeah. And I get it. Like, you know, the more you're in something, you will, you're, the more, I see it all the time. Like, right. Like you just keep coming up with really solid stuff because there's more there. My problem is, well, I don't even know what my problem is. I just end up going, <laughs> well, what about drawing? Well, what right. about, uh, you I know? think you're still discovering stuff. I think that's like what it is. Yeah. Like, I don't think that that's, again, I, I don't take it as a bad thing. No, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. There's no like bad or good. It's just the way that I make work, I right. guess. But, it is frustrating to, okay, so I make a website and I start putting <laughs> stuff up. 
how many tabs am I going to have for the different categories? Just do stuff? it by month. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm just, well, oh, this is what I felt like this month. This month. Yep. Yeah. And maybe that, maybe that is the thing. Uh, I also have this saying, and I don't know if you have this, where two weeks after I make a piece, I'm so over it. Oh, I'm, I'm over it once I'm done with it. Yeah. Okay. No, I like, I photograph it and I wrap it up. Now I'll send images to seen... galleries I work with, but I like, I like people talk about my work with names, you know, because I title them. Yes. But it's uh, the I title them from lyrics of songs. I could not tell you a name of any one of my pieces ever. Like, so somebody <laughs> will come up and say, like, I really like that piece. And I'm, I was like, you're going to have to show a picture because I do not know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is fine. It's just like, it's not that I don't have favorites per se or whatever. Sure. But, well, I, like I still don't know the on, name of it. You're on to the next one. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm always. And that's mm-hmm. where I think I'll have my stuff out too long, probably, uh, for, for, you know, for my taste or whatever. Because right. um, I, I went to your studio and I was very impressed that you had everything wrapped up, cataloged, for the like a part. number. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For, the, for the most part. And it was like, holy shit. Like, I'm nuts. And it's, I'm, and it's a yeah. ton of work. Yeah. And it's so awesome. And I was just like. But I have, like, I have ideas and like sometimes those, it doesn't come out the way that you visualize it. I mean, it's close, but so that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, there's certain pieces that I just, boom, it hits yeah. and that's the one. And then there's other, but I have to make it like, cause it's in my head. So I have to make it. That's not and it's how I crazy. work. That's so great. <laughs> but that's the beauty of art. Like, because there is no right or wrong way to I do it. I will torture any piece <laughs> that I, and if I, and if I went too far or something, I'm, I'm painting, I'm just taking a chisel, right. knocking it all down, and I'm going to start again. And that's fine. And, and keep that, and I don't, I know, but I don't know if I'm coming from a place that I'm just too cheap to start. No, over. no, no, no. I think it's, I think it's partially, like, that is the idea of not, not having the sentimentality to it. Yeah. Because, and I, like, you're just saying, is like, with me, it's, like, I'm done with it, I'm done with it. I've actually started, I never did this before. I've started painting over paintings. And I always didn't want to do that because I I want to keep this piece. But at the same time, it makes sense because I talk about archaeology. So the idea of building things up and overlaying stuff, it makes sense. Yeah. And so last couple of years, I started doing that. But it's like the first time I've ever done that. And so the cheap part too, maybe that's me too. It's like, I'm just done making it's panels. Like, wait a minute, I could just like, yeah. oh, and so now I don't have, you know, I'm in an apartment uh, where we are right now. Yeah. And so there's, I don't have a space that I can cut wood, use a router, get my, you know, I'd have to. Can you do it on the back? Not, not really. It's okay. just because it's, I want to be. Shared space. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be a good neighbor. You do it during the day. I suppose. Like this, I, I used to I used to live on Monument and I would sit on the back. I mean, I was on the third floor. Yeah, and I'd be sanding like all the time. I know. And, so. and when I lived in in the North Side, probably just same amount of thing. But I was doing it during the day. And yeah, I think if I you did know. it in the back, yeah, you should maybe be fine. maybe so. I, you know, I got I just wouldn't do it at two in the morning. But <laughs> but then again, around here, who the hell knows? I mean, yeah, it's all the maybe. students coming home from the bars. It's like <laughs> totally cool. They're like, what are you doing, man? You routing stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh yeah that's possible it's possible um but you know it's pretty small apartments and it's like all right gotta you know those little challenges come up but um yeah i don't know i so it's just uh it's now part of my process that i will 
I'll take the things that I've moved on from. Right. So there's no, in, I mean, there's some inventory now, but there's usually not a whole lot of inventory. I'll just be like, knock, 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 you know, just Done. like chisel yep. it all off. Yep. And then and I'm going again because that piece at the time seemed like, hey, you know, it did something. It has stopped doing that thing. Right. You know, so I don't know. Um, this seems like a good place to end. Sure. Do you have any, I mean, we can always circle back and do another one in the future. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but I think like, I, you know, I, I do like, I think it's really good for the listeners to really hear like the story that you're telling and, and how you got to where you got and, and, and all the stuff that you've seen and gone through and how it comes out in the artwork and stuff. So like, I really, really wanted to say thank you for being so honest and, um, and, yeah, and, absolutely. and, well, and free with the con- Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. This is the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Thanks so much to Joe Olney and for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Just an incredibly interesting conversation today and so fascinating to learn about his path to his career in art. Again, thanks to Angelica Garcia for providing some great music for today's podcast. Please be sure to download her music on iTunes and other platforms. Please stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information. See you next week as we talk with Dr. Ron Garbo, a leading specialist in heart rate variability and the first walk-on All-American wrestler at The Ohio State University. Thanks again, and don't forget to exercise the body and exercise the mind. See you next week. Everything comes right back around, and I'd hate to have something as silly as yesterday be what changed me down. Cowards don't like talking about the fears, people just deny